0: Thank you, Kenny and John, for bearing with me in that example that was unexpected. I now invite you to please pray with me. Lord God, take my words and speak through them. Take our hearts this morning and speak to them. Holy Spirit, rain down upon us. We welcome your presence. Bring conviction to our hearts through your word and initiate healing and transformation in our lives, all for the glory of your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. This morning, I'm going to have three points in my sermon. Salt, you got that point. Salt, the saltiness of God's word, and the preservation of God's people. Our gospel reading ended with Jesus' proclamation That salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? And Jesus says, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Jesus tells his disciples, unsalty salt is worthless. And he tells them, have salt in yourselves. Now, historically, salt has always been a valuable commodity. In Leviticus 2, the Lord talks about the value of salt as he proclaimed his instructions to Moses. The Lord said this, You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Now, we don't really know salt as a valuable commodity. It's primarily a cheap cooking additive for taste if used properly, not the way I did this morning. When salt is present in food or drinks in high quantities, do you notice, Kenny? (laughs) When salt is not present, how do things taste? Bland. So you know when salt is present. Historically, salt was much more than a cooking additive. One of its primary historical uses was preservation, and it's still used today for that to preserve foods, to keep them from spoiling. Jesus espoused salt's worth when he said this in Matthew chapter 5. This is just after he taught the disciples in the crowds the Beatitudes. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, I put this on the slide with the verse that our gospel reading ended with. So you have both quotations from Jesus side by side, and you can see them together. The emphasis here is the same. God's people are to be salty, to have salt in themselves. Because Jesus proclaimed, You are the salt of the earth. If you're following me, you are the salt of the earth. And if they lose their saltiness, they're declared worthless. Thank you. This is a participatory event here. Worthless. They're to be thrown out, cast away. So do you think the salt Jesus is referring to is important to his people? Yes. Being salty can mean many different things. This past Monday, one of our members was on his radio show, and his colleague declared, Man, you are salty today. This just happened Monday. The member of our church had an edge to his comments that morning. He was unwavering, he was relentless, and he was declared to be salty. Now, salty can have that kind of meaning, being spirited, being vigorous, being zesty. But I want to discuss today the sense of being salty as it relates to being full of the salt of God's kingdom. And today, the salt I will be discussing is God's Word, Holy Scriptures. So we've covered our first point, salt, and we now turn to our second point, the saltiness of God's Word. Our collective prayer today, our collect, was not one written for this Sunday in the calendar. In the Anglican calendar, it's actually the second Sunday of Advent. But it's one of my favorites, and it speaks to the sense of God's Word being important, being salt. Go to the next slide, please. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read them, mark them, learn them, and inwardly digest them that we will regularly do them and reflect them to the world. Hear, read, mark, learn, inwardly digest. If you do these things with God's word, if you regularly do them, then you will be salty to the world. You will be salty with his truth. You will be recognized as different. That's who we are to be as God's people. Now, we opened our service with a reading from Psalm 19, which declares the value of God's Word, and that's where we're going to focus the rest of our time. I invite you in your Blue Bibles to turn to page 456, or if you have your own Bibles, to Psalm 19, page 456 in the Blue Bibles, and our reading began at verse 7. I first want to call your attention to the six aspects of God's instruction mentioned here. And I've got a slide for those six aspects. Verse 7 has the Torah, the law of the Lord, and then the testimony of the Lord. Verse 8 has the precepts of the Lord and the commandment of the Lord. And verse 9 has the fear of the Lord. And the rules of the Lord. These terms, six different Hebrew terms, are from a poetic perspective synonymous, meaning the same. But from a theological perspective, they are all embracing. In every sense and dimension, the Lord's word is good. And for our purposes this morning, the Lord's word is salty. Verse 7, the law of the Lord. This is the word Torah. The Jewish translation calls it the teaching of the Lord. And it is what? Perfect. I know some of you have your Bibles open. Feel free to answer when I ask a question. It's perfect. It's sound. It's complete. It has total integrity. It lacks nothing. The testimony of the Lord or the decrees, the spoken witness of the Lord is what? Sure, it's faithful, it's supporting, it's enduring. Verse eight, the precepts of the Lord, the mandates, the statutes of God are right. They are just, they are correct, they are straight, you're seeing all of the characteristics of these six terms. The commandment of the Lord, or the instruction of the Lord, is pure. It's sincere. It's clear. And the Jewish translation calls it lucid. I thought that was an interesting way to describe clarity. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord. Now this term can describe Terror. In verse 9, the, the cadence of this psalm changes a little bit. Here, the fear of the Lord is talking about reverence, respect, fear before authority and greatness. The fear of the Lord is clean, and this has a sense of purity, of being ceremonially clean. In the Jewish faith, you couldn't enter the temple unless you were ceremonially clean, the, The priests needed to be even more ceremonially clean to enter the holy places. So there's therefore a sense of acceptable before God's presence. The fear, the reverence, the worship of the Lord is clean. Then the rules of the Lord, the judgments, the decrees, the Lord's decisions, they are true and righteous altogether, it says. They are stable. They are trustworthy, All together they are righteous. So there are six aspects of God's word making it salty for consumption. Salty to his people. Salty to the world. And we now turn from our second point, the saltiness of God's word, to our final point, the preservation of God's people. I mentioned earlier that salt in historical and modern uses, has a primary function of preservation of food. And we've experienced the six aspects of the saltiness of God's word. Now, how do those six aspects impact and preserve God's people? Because living in this broken world, you continue to deal with sin, your own sin and other sin. You continue to deal with brokenness. With tragedy, sometimes you will have rejoicing and joy and celebration, and other times, brokenness and grief. How does God's word preserve you then as you live? Okay, look back at verse 7 again, the first part. The law of the Lord is perfect, and it does what? Reviving the soul. Reviving the soul. The Jewish translation says renewing life. God's instruction renews one from the inside as you can't be renewed any other way. The testimony of the Lord is sure doing what? Making the making wise the simple, making the simple wise. The testimony of the Lord gives God's wisdom to his people, making you wise. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, causing the heart to sing, to dance, to rejoice in praise. This is your heart, forgiven, yet still sinful, peaceful by God, yet still broken and dealing with tragedy. This is your heart that God's word can cause to rejoice. That's a promise. To be renewed, to be full of his wisdom, and we're not done. The second half of verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. His instruction is lucid, it's clear, it's shining, which means it destroys darkness. It illuminates your eyes, which means it guides your way so you can see in the darkness. Then verse 9, again, the pace of this verse is a little different than the other two. The fear or reverence of the Lord is clean and enduring forever, and the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And that carries us into verse 10. Let's read verse 10 together. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. God's word is better than the abundant pure gold, the most that you could have. It's sweeter and more satisfying than pure honey, which was a delicacy when this was written. Verse 11 then Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. By God's word, you are preserved, you are warned of danger, warned of peril. And in God's word is abundant reward. Remember Jesus' words to his followers. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you have forgiveness of your sins through his life, death, and resurrection, then you sit here as one of God's children. If you follow Jesus, then you are the salt of the earth. And to be so, you must be salty. Because Jesus says otherwise, you'll be worthless to God's kingdom. God's word is integral to your saltiness. And I want to return to our collective prayer. What did it say we are to do with God's word? Six things hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. After hearing Psalm 19's description of God's Word and its benefits to God's people, why would anyone choose instead to consume empty calories, empty spiritual calories? I want you to picture soda or candy. God's Word is substance and it's real spiritual sustenance. This is living and active. And we read this morning, it is renewal, it is wisdom, it is illuminating, it causes one to rejoice. The world offers nothing like God's word. So why do we spend so much time chasing and feeding on spiritual soda and candy and pizza and ice cream? They taste good, but they don't satisfy. They can't sustain you. The world offers nothing like this. And this is also why you need each other. You need the body of Christ, the church, men and women of faith alongside you because it's so hard to stay faithful in a world that doesn't care. And among priorities that are empty. You all need to know others and to be known by others who can help you stay salty, whether you're teenagers, young adults, and any other kind of adult. You need others. You need others to stay salty, who can speak truth to you when you waver and drift, who can pray for you, who can point you back to the only way, truth, and life, Jesus Christ. I hope you all remember Kenny's and John's faces as they ate the salty oatmeal. Spiritual salt is absolutely necessary for you to follow Jesus and be his man or his woman. Without God's salt, you will be bland. You will be worthless to his kingdom, worthless to the struggling and lost individuals around you who don't know Jesus. Without God's people around you, you may be tempted to drift into unsaltiness. So this morning I close with stay salty. If you're a follower of Jesus, be salty. Let God's word fill you, heal you, and transform you as you hear it, as you read it, as you mark it, as you learn it, and as you inwardly digest it, all for the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.